Welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast, as we explore the mind of former MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The Boone Podcast continues with our two-part special with two-time World Series winner, David Justice. All right, let's do this. And now, here's your host, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone, and today on the program, I'm joined by a three-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion. It was the NL Rookie of the Year in 1990. Ladies and gentlemen, David Justice. David, thanks for coming on the program. Booney, thanks for having me, man. So you get to 2000, and you get traded mid-season yep. to the Yankees. Now, I, you yep. know, I've talked about cool. this before, before on the program about, you know, I obviously I played my the majority of my time in Cincinnati and Seattle, but I always thought I loved David for some reason going to New York and not necessarily Shea stadium, but Yankee uh-huh. stadium, old Yankee stadium. There was something about it. I knew I was going to get some hits, uh-huh. but more than that, I, I, I look forward to it. We always just stay at that grand high at downtown by, uh, uh-huh. yep. and yeah, I, and I look forward to getting up in the morning Walking out on the street and and just getting yelled at by by Yankee fans <laughs> across the street, you know. And remember, you know, I had my at that at that stage, I had my blonde hair. My hair was frosted, so I, I was easy to spot coming out of that Grand Hyatt. And and I just remember those Yankee fans, and and they it was never like in a mean spirited way, but it was that I'm just walking down the street to get a cup of coffee, maybe. A, Maybe a uh, maybe a muffin, and I'm just here. Boom! We're gonna kick your ass. There's something about it I loved so much, and I loved going there so much. And I thought, I hope I get a chance one day before it's all said and done to get to play there. I never got to. You got to do it. Tell me what the yep. what it was like when you got the news. Okay. You're going to New York. You're okay. playing for Steinbrenner, and you're playing for yep. a team a team that's coming off an, yep. uh, an unprecedented run. Yep. Yep. So. We're in, we're in Kansas City, and after the game, Charlie Manuel, who had be, who had now become the manager, who I love, Charlie Manuel. By the and way, Charlie Manuel is going to be on the Boone podcast next week. <laughs> oh, oh, great! Oh, sweet! No way! Okay, so man, listen, Charlie was one of those guys who could come to the back of the plane if he wanted to. He had an all-out pass. He had a pass. He's kind and of a Bruce Bochy. Okay, yeah, but, but but this is when he was a hitting coach. When he became a manager, I don't think I don't remember Charlie coming back there as a manager. But as a hitting coach, Charlie would come back there, and he was always welcome. Clarence Jones always welcome. Bobby Cox never came back there. Remember, Bobby Bobby Cox played though, man. That's that old school mentality. He probably, dude, they probably didn't come back there, so he he never came back there. Um, Joe Torre never came back to the back of the plane. But Charlie Manuel was special to us. He was our hitting coach first. Then he became manager, and I mean, once again, we were back, like, loving the manager, and, and we'll do whatever we can because we want Charlie to be successful. So we, we want to do whatever we can. Charlie calls me in, and we, Charlie and I had a really good relationship that started as, from, as hitting coach and player, and now he becomes the manager, and I mean, God, we had a great relationship. Charlie calls me in, and he looks like he doesn't even want to tell me that I'm getting traded. Like, the look on his face, it, it, it just pained him to have to tell me that he was trading me. And, he, and I, but look what I said, Boone, when I walked in the office. I walked in, I said, I said, hey, Charlie, where am I getting traded, man? I was just joking, Boone, because, once again, Charlie don't never call me into the office. So I, just, I, I, I didn't think I was getting traded. So I make a joke, like, okay, Charlie, tell me where I'm getting traded. And he looks at me and goes, DJ, we just, we just traded you to the Yankees. And I'm like, oh, my God. Booney, I don't know about you, but I had a different feeling with the Yankees. I'm used to playing for Cleveland. When we go in to play the Yankees, they throwing stuff at me in the outfield. You know, Kenny Lawson got hit in the chest with some fruit, like walking off the field. Like, it was a hostile environment. So I'm thinking, oh, my God. Like, and then you hear about certain players can't play there and how they boo these guys and, so all of that is coming into my head, Booney. But I fly back to Cleveland with the team. I don't even stay in Kansas City. 
I fly back with the team. I'm because this is the kind of relationship I had with the Cleveland and the players and the staff. They were like, "Yeah, hell yeah, come on, they fly back, man, fly back with us, man. You can leave out of Cleveland." So I fly back with the fellas, you know, what I mean, to Cleveland, and I take off for New York. And thank God we started on the road, Bonnie. I think I needed to start on the road, and we did. We were in Tampa. I joined the team in Tampa because I literally was was having those anxiety feelings of, man, what if I don't do well? How hard will they boo me? Like, like I'm thinking that negative stuff, Bonnie, and I couldn't get out of it. I couldn't get out of the negativity, but then my wife, talking to her, she, we, I worked through those thoughts, and then we come home, and I, and I would hit my first home run as a Yankee off of um, Chuck McElroy. Remember McElroy, Chuck McElroy? Yes, I, I do. Played with, I played I with as him. As a Yankee, yeah, off Chuck McElroy. And then, Booney, I proceeded to go on a tear that just jumped on my shoulders. Uh, you were on Seattle in, in 2000, weren't you? Nope, 2001. 2001. Okay. So well, I, I got I, I was in San Diego. I got traded. Uh, I I left San Diego. I was in San Diego briefly okay. for a year, and then I came okay. back to Seattle in one. Did were you? Um, you may not remember this, but I took John Halama deep twice in the same game, but I don't remember if that was two thousand two thousand one. And then the third, my third at bat, he threw it behind me, and I was, I was like, there go Lou Padella again with that shit. <laughs> You know. I think that I think that was 2000 because we had Lou on the okay. program here earlier and he was talking about that. And he said, man, I made a mistake with uh, and he brought up the justice at bat. And I think no that way. was in two. I think that was in 2000. Well, I also took Arthur Rhodes deep in 2000. With maybe it was that? the maybe it was the Arthur Rhodes, not the John Halama. I'm getting I'm getting my I'm getting my lines all crossed up here. Uh, no, it's probably, it's probably, so, so I get traded, right? And Booney, I catch fire and you can't put the fire out, bro. Just jump on my shoulders. I hit, when I showed up in New York, I had 21 home runs the day I got, I got traded to them. I hit another 20 for New York. There's only three or four guys in the history. I'm, I'm either the fourth guy or the third guy to ever, Mark McGuire is one of them, to ever hit 20 home runs in the same season with two different teams. So I hit 41 that year. I hit 21 with Cleveland and 20 with the Yankees. And I just rolled. I had 118 RBIs. I finished 41, 118. And uh, we go to the playoffs and we, we play. Okay, so back it up. Now I'm in New York now. I live in Fort Lee, New Jersey, right across the river. And it's just a whole different everything. Baseball is way more serious on the, on the East Coast, the Northeast. Just like Boston. I mean, New York. I mean, like, these people base their whole day around that Yankee game. I, I lived in a Yankee neighborhood. Man, when I would go get my coffee in the morning, Booney, they'd be like, they'd be talking about the game. All right, just let's go, baby. You know, we, we got the game tonight. My local deli, that's where the police and the, and the firemen would be in there because I had my little, you know, like we get our routines, right? My routine was I stop in the deli, get my sandwich talk to the deli owner, you know, and the people, and then I hit the road and go to the stadium. That was my routine. Well, the police and the firemen and everybody, they started knowing that was my routine, so they'd be in there, like, waiting on me, Booney. And then I'm, so, Booney, I'm raking, so, you know, I'm walking there. But then a few times when I have a tough game, I still got to go in there, right, get my sandwich. I you got to go. <laughs> I got to go. So I walk in, the funniest shit, Booney. I'm in there, they're like, Dave, will you stop swinging at the curveball in the dirt? I'm like, man, I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> and then we, then we share a laugh and stuff. And then, hey, and Booney, that year, the owner of the deli, he had never been to a Yankees playoff game. He'd been there. At that time, it had been 30-some years. I hope he's still around today. Uh, and I'll never forget, man, I gave him tickets to the playoffs. I thought he was going to cry on me, Booney. It was, it was one of the highlights of that year, bro, is seeing the happiness. In the uh, in the uh, in the owner of the deli's eyes, Booney, he had a great time. The next day after the game, Booney, I'm at my house. The doorbell rings. I open it. I look out the door. It's the deli guy. I say, Hey, what you doing with my man? He's like, I'm like, How you know where I live? He goes, Dave. Everybody knows where you live. He brought my sandwich to my house, Booney. He brought it to my house. 
Wow, that's very <laughs> cool. He brought, but 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 that's but that's the Yankees fans. That's the that that's how they feel about baseball and how much they love that team. And then playing for the Yankees, I realized how smart the Yankee fans are too, Booney. Booney, you could have a you could have, let's say, a man on second base. You could say you got a lefty pitching, and let's say you're hitting and you got first base open. But they got me in on deck circle. So the lefty ain't giving you nothing. No, we got first base open, right? In a lot of stadiums, they might yell, hey man, throw strikes. You know what I mean? All that kind of stuff, right? Not the Yankee fans. Yankee fans are going, yeah, I see what you're doing. Yeah, don't give them nothing. Don't give them nothing. Yeah, piss of justice. Like, they know what you're doing. They understand the game in, in New York. Um, Alfonso Soriano in 2001, I think he, he didn't get a walk. I'm going to be a little bit off on this, but, I, I, but, but you'll get the, the point. I don't think Alfonso Soriano walked in his first either 74 at-bats. I might have been like 74 at-bats, something like the 80 at-bats. He didn't have a walk. He got his first walk of the season. Booney, they gave him a standing ovation in Yankee Stadium. I had no idea what was going on. I said, well, what the hell? They knew it was his first walk of the season. They gave him a standing ovation. How can you be that in tune with your team? That's the Yankee fans. I call him the ultimate 10th man because you know, Booney, when you come in to play the Yankees in New York in the playoffs, that's a hostile environment, ain't it? They gonna Big get time. They trying Big to get, They are trying they, to get in your. They trying. Look, they doing everything they can to give the Yankees an advantage, and that's it, what I I came to see and appreciate and ultimately love about the Yankee fans, like there is nothing like the Yankee fans, man. I've never seen just the their their knowledge of the game, their passion for the team. Um, and even in the city, I mean, Booney, I played two seasons in New York. When I go to New York, you think I played my whole career for the Yankees. <laughs> I swear. You, yeah, you, win, you win a World Series. They don't forget I that. Won a World Series. Yeah. So, so that, all that was just beautiful, man. 2000, what a great year. We, 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 so we go play. We, we, first round, we play the A's. And they're tough. They're young. They're tough. We get through them barely. And then we go play Seattle. And uh, I, I, I would end up being an ALCS MVP in that series. I was just seeing a ball great, Booney. And Seattle pitches to my strengths. I don't know what report they be watching, how to pitch me, but whatever they were watching, I'm glad they were watching it because they just make it too easy to hit them. Uh, what's the picture you guys had? Seeley? Seeley, right? Aaron Seeley? Aaron Seeley. Yeah, he was in the rotation. Oh, my God. Aaron Seeley, man, Booney, when I tell you. <laughs> I know he's gonna throw me. I just, I know he's gonna throw me fastballs away. He gonna hit the plates. I'm just praying he throws one just, just good enough where I can get him because I got everything going through left center field when I face him. So I end up raking, and then Arthur Rhodes, man. Arthur Rhodes and I had a good. We actually had a good relationship, even though I don't really know him. But he's so nasty to me. Like Arthur Rhodes, Arthur Rhodes was with Baltimore. He got me 0-2. When I was in Cleveland, he was in Baltimore. Booney, he gets me 0-2 and throws me a cock shot, and I take him deep. Okay? Every time Arthur Rhodes faced me, he would always – he would throw me a bastard pitch, and then just wait. He'll throw me one down the middle in a second. He's like, it's about to come. And, Booney, I would never miss him. So I'm hitting over 400 in my career against Arthur Rhodes. And I hate facing Arthur Rhodes. He's nasty. Those like 95, 96. Has that little cutter, and uh, so I used to always, you know how the, you know how the pitchers always walk out to the bullpen, right, right before the game. You see them walking across the field, and I would always yell to him, "Hey Arthur, hey man, when they call down there, don't answer that shit tonight. Don't answer, it, man. Tell him to take it off, man. Don't don't even answer it, bro." And then he's sitting there, kind of like half laughing at me, and then like putting his waving his hand at me, like "Shut up, man!" Right, like that, because I don't really know him. But I know him because I face him because I know me and you always got to face each other. Uh, and I'm just joking with him. And so in that game six with the game on the line, I mean, Booney, I got three. Once again, we're down, we're down, we're down three to two in the bottom of the six or seven. I can't remember what it was now. Of course, the stadium is rocking. You know, we got them on the ropes. You know how that stadium can be, man, just the energy. 
and I'm just I'm facing off the roads, and all I'm thinking, Mooney, is I just got to tie this game up. You know, don't hit into a double play, but I'm not going down on strikes. You either, you I, you'll have to knock the bat out of my hand. I'm not gonna go down. I ain't gonna, I'm not going down on strikes. And then if we tie this game up, we're back basically zero zero, bottom of six, bottom of seven, whatever it was, and and I I like our chances that we can even this up. That's literally what I'm thinking in my head, Mooney. And uh, Arthur Rhodes gets me. Uh, he gets me to three one, Booney. You know, I think the two one pitch. He threw me a cutter, and I I check swung, um, and of course the whole dugout. Seattle thought I went, but I check swung and took it to three one. And Booney, I remember stepping back, and I was like, okay, he got to throw a fastball. There's no way he's throwing the slider right here. His job is to get me out here lefty. He got to throw the fastball. I back out, Booney, and. Just one, just just two thoughts that I have whenever I hit. I'm I run them through my head real quick, and uh, I step in three one, and Booney, mentally, this is exactly what I was thinking. And if you ever see the video of me taking Arthur Rose deep that night, in my head as I three one, and it's pandemonium in the stadium because the fans know it's three one. I am on a lake. Under a moon, under the moon, a moonlit lake. The moon is shining on the lake. I'm I'm sitting in a boat, just one of those little cheap boats, with a, a fishing pole with a line in the water. That is literally, mentally, where my mind is on this pitch. And know what's crazy about that, Boney, is I don't even fish. That's your, pla- that's your place Why? you go to, though. But but I was so laser focused on this one pitch, and he throws me a three-one cock shot, Booney. Booney, I didn't even feel it. You know how you hit it when you don't feel it? Right? Oh yeah. I didn't even feel it. That's how perfect I caught him. And as soon as I hit it, Booney, I looked up, and you know when you hit it, when you know it ain't going foul. Like this is no chance of going foul. When I hit it. I saw the trajectory and I knew it was a, this was a bomb. And I immediately looked at my dugout because I knew the fellas were going to be jumping up. Because, you know, the Yankee dugout is down, is down. You got to come out to look. And I immediately looked at them just because I knew they were going to be coming out to look. And when I tell you, when I was running around the bases, Booney, I ran the second base, I thought it was an 8.7 earthquake in the stadium. That's how it felt like it was rattling. The whole stadium. And you see all the beer and people screaming and hugging and, and man, oh, I will never forget that bully. Never. And we we win the world. We will. We win that night. And now we go to the World Series against against uh, the Mets. And you know the Mets got a squad too, but they don't really have no nasty pitchers other than freaking Al Leiter. Al Leiter was, you know, he one of those lefties that no lefty likes to see. While I got a quick second, want to give a shout out to DraftKings. We've partnered with DraftKings now, and they are the official sponsor of the Boone Podcast. Dan? Thanks, Boone. DraftKings Sportsbook is officially live in New York State with mobile sports betting just in time for football playoffs. Right now, you can place a bet from anywhere in New York with DraftKings Sportsbook, including from the comfort of your couch. To add to the excitement, DraftKings is giving new customers a special offer that you don't want to miss. Bet just $5 on any playoff game and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. The wait is finally over. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all of DraftKings' great promotions and features, including same-game parlays, which are my favorite, by the way. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So win that day, steaks and lobster that night. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code BOONE, B-O-O-N-E, and get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code BOONE. 
B-O-O-N-E, this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full details. Must be 21 plus and physically present in New York. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. And now back to my interview with David Justice. Not only are you coming to, to New York, you end up having a great year. Uh, you get to go to another World Series, but it's you're getting the whole New York experience. I couldn't. That had to be a pretty cool, you know, Subway Series for for and end up winning and winning another ring. I mean, that's kind of the ultimate. If you're going to get traded, we're going to get traded in New York. We're going to play the other New York team, and we're going to win. And I'm going to get another ring. And by the way, I'm going to hit 20 jacks in the second half. Yeah. Oh yeah. No you couldn't. You couldn't write a better script. You couldn't write. You couldn't write it better, and we don't have to travel. We just got to go across town. So the World Series, right. we're never going to get on the plane. We're just driving across town, and we're playing a team that I got all the confidence in the world. We're going to beat them because we played them in the subway, that little subway thing earlier. You know how we do the interleague thing, and we whopped them then. So when I when I saw their team, I was like, the Mets are not better than us. Like we go, I thought we were going to sweep them. Honestly, we beat them in five. I really thought we were going to beat them in four. That's how much better I thought we were over the Mets. Um, but just, you know, as a hitter, you know, I'm looking at their pitchers. None of their pitchers were too scary to me. I mean, scary meaning like none of them felt like they could dominate other than lighter. Lighter could be dominating. So uh, we go play them. And, again, our confidence is through the roof, Brian. And we, we you know, um, Jose Vizcaino, man, comes with some big hits in game one. I had a big hit in game one to put us up 2 nothing. off Lighter. See, Lighter, Lighter had gotten me in 97, Booney, with the Marlins. He, he hit me with a 3-2 slider in a situation where I was like, where I sold out 100% on the fastball. And I should, I should, I sold out, I really sold out. I was going to try to jump him. He throws me a, a freaking cutter. And, 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 you know, sometimes, you know how, Booney, they throw you the cutter halfway there, you know it's a strike, but you ain't in position to hit. You just want to call timeout? That's, That's right. He got, me. he got, you know, I just want to call timeout. Because, I, I, you know, he got me, 3-2. I couldn't believe he did it. But I had that knowledge in 2000. So now I'm facing lighter again, second time around. And I, and I know how he likes to throw his cutter um, and how important it is to him. And he'll throw it any time. So I got him 1-1 uh, one, one with, with first and second in the uh, – I don't know if it was the third inning, fourth inning, in game one. He gets me 1-1, one, one, Booney, and I knew it. He, so what he, well, here's what he was doing to me, Booney. He was going to use the cutter away for strikes, fastballs in for balls, just, just to try to get me off of that, that cutter away. So he throws me a first pitch cutter away for a strike. Then the next pitch he throws me a, a, a seed inside, you know, in off the plate, you know, back me up a little bit, right? And right then, Booney, I said, oh, he's coming back out there. I know he is. I'm going to sell out 100% out over the plates. And damn, if he didn't come back right out there with that cutter. And I, I damn, it went deep. I drove it left center field uh, for a two-run two run double. And we would end up winning, I think, an extra innings, Vizcaino. So in that World Series, man, we were just coming up big. I mean, and then our team, I mean, Booney, I'm playing with, we got some gamers, bro. Posada, Tino, Jeet, Polly, Bernie, Polly. When I tell you, we the pitchers, Clemens. Man, every time Clemens took the mound, I felt like I was at University of Texas. For real, you felt like he was back in the college game, cause cause Clemens got that raw. I like I like raw raw pitchers. I'm a raw raw guy, so I like raw raw pitchers. Clemens, I think I had some of my best games with, with Clemens on the mound because you feel like you at Texas. I mean, just the way he does it. But we got El Duque. We got uh, we got Pettit, uh, who we call Petite. We got Petite. We got um, we, uh, I said El Duque. We got oh, and then we got Jeff Nelson, Nelly, Nelly shutting down all right-handers, and we got Mike Stanton shutting down all lefties. And then here comes Enter Sandman, and you know who's coming in the game then, Mariano. And if Mariano get the rock with a lead, it's over. It's over. So we had, we had the players, and we had the guy. I mean, like we had ballers. Uh, Brocious, Scott Brocious, 
at third base, no, he was swinging that thing good too. We just had a, but, but, but here's the one thing about the Yankees. Um, that if you look at the Yankees from outside, you, you might think they're all business. Uh, but we had a lot of fun on our team. Our team was as much fun as all my other teams. Like we joked around the clubhouse. We joked on the field. Like we had a lot of fun. And that's one thing that I didn't see in the Yankees when I, until I played for them. Uh, but I will say this too. George Steinbrenner got to be the greatest owner. Uh, I always call him the greatest owner because, you know, Boone, you know how it is. We play 162 games. If you win 100 games, I mean, a great team will win 100 games. That means you still lost 62 games, right? Still lost 62. So the great teams are going to lose 62, 64 games, you know, 60, 64 games, right? You know how many games George Steinbrenner expected us to lose in the season? I ask this to people when I do my corporate speaking and stuff. I like, do you know how many games he expected us to lose? Booney, zero, zero. I, I always like, I always, I always like George Steinbrenner because I thought, you know, sometimes he's a little harsh. He comes out and he'll, <clears throat> you might be on, you know, on on cover the newspaper. Steinbrenner rips so and so, but. When push came to shove, when it came down to it, all he wanted to do was win, and he would give you every t- – you know how sometimes you're sitting down there in the clubhouse and you're thinking, man, we just need one part. We just need one part. Some years you go out and you get it. Some years you don't. But you know in Steinbrenner's clubhouse as a player, all he cares about is winning. And, and what comes with that is maybe some criticism, maybe some things that normally owners wouldn't say. But I'll, ta- I'll take an owner that wants to – wants to give me a shot here and there when I'm not playing well, that a guy that is just a hundred percent committed to winning, I'll take that owner anytime. He is the best owner. He, so with that mentality, see, you gotta, he makes you, he makes you have to bring your a game every day. Now, you know, Booney, we can't bring our a game every day, but he set the standards so high that you're going to bring your A game as much as you can every day. You're going to do it because of the standard that he set. Not all teams set the same standard as the Yankees. And that's why not everybody can play for the Yankees because you got to be that type of player too. You also got to be the type of player who, when the owner is talking shit, that don't even bother you. He would say stuff. You know what I would say? Man, our, our owner love us, bro. Shoot, he just wants us to win. Or, or, or you know what you usually say? He right. It ain't like he lying. <laughs> he ain't lying. He do suck right now. Right. You <laughs> it, ain't like, it ain't like he lying on us. Boone, no you shit. suck that this week. Right. No shit. Hey, 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 <laughs> you no didn't shit. have to he tell me. Uh, my no, kids are, you know, my kids nobody. told me. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen. Nobody on our team was sensitive to anything that Simon Render said if he says I'm negative. We would be joking. Like, if we weren't playing good. Now, I, I could be wrong about this, but this was a joke. If we wasn't playing well, all of a sudden the plane back to New York wasn't one of those super big planes. It'd be a smaller plane. Because we get on the plane like, hey, man, we better start winning, man. This, we got the small plane this time. <laughs> you know? it's, like when you, it's like when you're coming, you know, back in the day when Montreal's in the, in the league, if you go beat Montreal too bad, you're going through customs on the way home. If you go in there and, uh-huh. and just you know split with them when two and two, you you just go from 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 the bus to the tarmac. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. But but so Steinbrenner, man, best best owner, man, best owner ever, man. That his passion and desire to win. Uh, I always say Steinbrenner would rather lose ten million dollars and win the World Series then make 30 million and lose the world series. That's how much he loved winning. Hey, Booney, Booney, he came in, uh, he came into the locker room, Booney, before a playoff game. And the media is to our back because the media in the Yankee stadium, I mean, Yankee clubhouse is like in the middle. And then uh, the lockers are kind of like around the edges. All of a sudden, I get slapped on my back, Booney. I look over my shoulder like, who the heck is this? It's Steinbrenner. He slaps me on the back, and, and he's looking at my eyes. He's going, you ready? 
you ready? You ready? That's what he's saying to me. <laughs> and I'm laughing. I'm looking over my shoulder. I'm going, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. It was a World Series match. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. And then he goes to Jeter, because Jeter's my locker mate. He goes to Jeter, does the same thing. And he's walking down the row, and I'm watching him. And I'm going, man, our owner is awesome, bro. He wants he want us to win so bad. I love that dude, man. How could you not love an owner like that? I, I, I love um, so it. That, I love it. That's all you ever want to do is so win. And Yeah, yeah. So in 2001, so that was 2000. In 2001, I come back. Man, I get it. I have an injury plagued year, Booney. Oh, my God. I was on disabled list. I don't know how many times. I'd hurt my groin. Couldn't really shake it, man. I, you know, it would be the main reason why I would retire after 2002 season. One of the reasons, because I just started getting hurt, and I kind of been playing long enough. And uh, I'm just kind of – and then you know what else, too, Booney? I started losing that, that desire to really have to kick your butt. You know, that desire to really have to win and dominate. And I started losing that. Um, and I don't know what it was. Maybe my, you know, my desire to continue to be as good as I could be was kind of waning. Like, I'm, I'm kind of ready to go home. My youngest son, the one at UCLA right now, he was born my last year with Oakland. So I had him, and then I had my other son who was just two years old. So I was like, you know what? After this season, I'm going to take it on in. But my growing in, nine, in 2001, because I had hernia surgery after 2000. I had a double hernia surgery, believe it or not, after the 2000 season. And then 2001 was an injury plague year, and I knew that would be my last year with the Yankees because um, I was realistic. I mean, you know, the Yankees get guys, and then once, you know, a couple years, now they go get some other guys. So I understood that. So I got traded. Originally, I got traded to uh, the Mets. Actually, first before Robert well, the Mets, right? Mets, and then you ended up going. But before we yeah. leave, oh one, okay. Uh, that was that. Okay. That was that. That was that season. Uh, Mariners, we come in. That's a hundred. We won one hundred sixteen games. You guys end up yep. beating us yep. in the ALCS, and you talk about yep. stunned. We couldn't believe it. That was our year. Nobody was going to win. We were going to win. You end up going on, and, and we left that place, and the thought was, well, it was 9-11 that year. The Yankees uh-huh. must be destined for the city. And then uh-huh. what happens is the the big hit from uh, Gonzo gets the knockoff. Mar- of all people, Mariano, council scores. You end up losing in Arizona. But I want to go to the, the 01 uh, because the guys from the Yankees and the Mets that I've had on the program, I always ask the same question. 9-11, where were you? Mm-hmm. I was, so I lived in Fort Lee, New Jersey. So I was already, I wasn't in New York. I was on the other side of the water. And I was literally asleep when it happened. I was still sleeping. I get a phone call uh, that morning and the phone call, him who called me, but they said, man, are you good? I go, what? They go, bruh, turn on the news. The plane, planes flew into the World Trade Center. I'm like, what? I jump up out of bed, uh, turn the news on, and then I realize, shit, I can just drive down parallel to the Hudson or whatever it is right there. And, and my wife and I, we got in the car, we drove down, and we looked over, and uh, you could see the smoke, bro. You could see it. But we were on the Jersey side looking across. And then, so yeah, I was in Jersey at my place, and then literally within t- probably two hours, maybe two, three hours, maybe. Within two, three hours, the, obviously they had canceled the games and everything. And then I looked at my wife and our youngest, our oldest son, because my youngest one wasn't born yet. So he was only like a year and something. And I, uh, I said, listen, let's get in the car and go to Cincinnati because I know they ain't bombing Cincinnati. That's what I said. And we, got, we jumped in the car, Booney, and drove to Cincinnati within three hours. That night I was in Cincinnati. Yep. Yep, that was craziness, though. That was pure craziness. All right, back to your. And then, like I said, go now, go, go. You're headed to Oakland now. Yeah, I just, I just wanted to get your take so, on nine eleven. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I knew after the World Series when Arizona beat us, I knew that. And, and again, once again, Booney, if if Mo doesn't throw that ball in the center field, they don't win that World Series. Yeah, remember Mariano made the error. If you ever see it, ground that's ball. Right, ball that's right. That's right. Ground ball. Base. Yeah, throws it, throws it in center field. I mean, like, Booney, I got two World Series championships, but, bruh, I can make a claim. 
I, seven World Series teams, but I can make a claim that I should have four. Just on little stuff that happened that don't never happen. Mario never throws the ball in the center field. But that's when I said, you know what? God just going to take over. I already got two. I can't be selfish. <laughs> I can't be selfish. I already got two World Series. Chilling and big unit, they ain't got none. And Gonzo, my man, he cool. I like Gonzo. And then I think Finley was on that team, too. Steve was on that team. Yep. Uh, and, and then they had uh, my boy Womack. So, honestly, that's what, that's what made me get over the loss was, was, you know what, I can't complain. I already got two. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe God just blessing the Arizona, the state of Arizona. You know what I mean? Doing something for this organization because the Yankees already got 26. <laughs> what we won was the 26 at the time. So, I can't be selfish. That's literally what I was saying to myself, Booney. But I, so now I first get, I get traded to the Mets and I'm on the phone. I get traded to the Mets and I'm like, oh, hell no. I'm not playing for the Mets. I can't stand the Mets. Like, Booney, I can't stand the Mets. I could, and you're going to, I got traded to the Mets. I, I was upset. But, but when I was on the phone call, I was on the phone call with somebody, somebody I remember from the media, Booney, and he says, hey, David, I heard you were going to get traded back to the American League, though. So when he said that, I was like, oh, I hope you're right. And, yep, within I don't know how long between the time I was traded to the Mets, I get a call, I find out I, the Mets traded me to Oakland. And I'm like, cool. And I, then I'm starting, I'm thinking about Oakland's team, and I like the Bay Area. And so then I start, my whole thoughts started going to that team now, okay. And then I also know, I got one more year on my contract. I said I was going to retire after my contract. So I'm starting to have those thoughts now, Booney. Like, I'm getting toward the end here. Um, so I go play with – so I show up at spring training in Arizona, first time spring training in Arizona. That was uh, great. I meet the guys. And see, Booney, by this time, you know, Eric Chavez and Miguel um, Tejada, and these guys are young guys, man. That's yeah, the frat house. like – yeah, they're like 20, no, Huddy, Huddy and Mulder and Zito. These guys are young guys. Yeah. So they grew up watching me play. You see, even though I'm still in the big leagues, they were young when I first started playing. So they've been watching me for a long time. So when I came into that team, Booney, I almost felt a leadership role from day one. From day one, I, almost, I felt a leadership role. And I just embraced it. <clears throat> and, you know, the guys were messing with me because if you ever see Moneyball, Moneyball makes it makes it look like Billy Bean had to convince me to be a part of their plan, blase blase. When in fact, the first day of spring training, I think I took over a leadership role from day one uh, because the, because the Oakland A's reminded me of the young Braves. They had the young three guys, Mulder, Zero, Hudson. They had young guys like Eric Chavez. They had uh, Miguel Tejada, young guys. Jermaine, Jermaine Dye was there, had, had come into his own as a veteran. Uh, then we had a young Eric Burns, um, Adam Pyatt, uh, Mark, Mark uh, oh, God, what was Mark's last name? Our second baseman who was young, too. Mark, uh, Mark Ellis. Mark Ellis. Mark Ellis, yes. Yeah, who actually played a long time in the big league. Great rookie, man, great kid. So I come into this team, and Billy Bean and I really form a really good relationship, like, he could lean on me, just check the temperature of the team. And you know what I'm saying? And we would, we would just really talk about the team a lot, uh, Billy and myself. But Billy also was one of those guys that really wanted to win. He was just dealing with a different budget, you see. He was dealing with different variables. Uh, cause it, cause, but he had that passion to win as well. And, but that year, oh, yeah, and then that, that's the year we won 20 games, Booney. We went 20, 20, 20 in a row. We had you up oh, at the yeah. all-star break that year. My, I think our Mariner team, we were winning by, you know, we had blown out, blown the competition away the year before. I think we were up eight, uh -huh. 10 games. You guys came back to get us and kept going. We ended up finishing third. You and the angels uh, leapfrogged us. Yeah. Yeah. So Booney, we take off and I'm like, I have been in the playoffs my whole life. Oh, you're coming to Oakland and you're going, well, 
At least you guys know one thing. You're at least going to the second round of the playoffs, maybe the World Series, and we're going to have a shares meeting. I know you said that when you got there. (laughs) But it didn't start out like that, Booney. It didn't start out like that. We started out near the bottom of the West. Um, Right? No, you guys came on. I mean. No, we came on. Billy B came in there, man, and changed changed the dynamics of that team, bro. I mean, guys were partying. Billy Bean came in there and sent down some guys, traded some guys. He, he, he let it be known we're here to play baseball, not to party. And he changed. He changed. He brought in my other, my other partner, man, who I played against. Oh, God, I'm looking right at him. He was a pinch hitter. Cool dude. Came from St. Louis. And he and I both, uh, you know, we loved our role with the team. Oh, God, I, I'm looking right at him. It'll come to me. The, oh, God. Anyway, I so can't think of him either. That that uh, it's, it'll come to me. I'm look, I'm literally looking right at him. The uh, so that team we catch fire. We went twenty in a row, and I mean when we break the record, right? We ha- we go to Minnesota. I think we go to Minnesota, and we're going for game number twenty one. And I and I was like, man, this is the best time to to have a a, a player only meeting. So I call a player only meeting, and and. The reason why I called a player-only meeting is because I wanted to, to let these guys know how special this accomplishment was. Then I also wanted to try to give us a, a shot of even more confidence in, the, in themselves by telling them, hey, guys, y'all know I've been in the playoffs my whole career. I played on some of the baddest teams to ever play in the 90s. And none of those teams won 20 games in a row. That's how special you guys are. And that was my gist of my conversation with them. It was a good, I gave, I mean, I get, you know, they call me the Reverend. I give them a good speech, right? <laughs> hey, Booney, we lost that night. <laughs> we lost. Yeah, you did. Yeah. And now they're looking at you like, hey, David, <laughs> next time you're thinking about calling a meeting, you might want to save it. <laughs> I come in the clubhouse after the game. They go, damn, DJ, why you call a meeting? <laughs> and the guys are laughing. I was like, fellas, shit, I thought it was going to be a good-ass meeting. I thought it was going to work. Goddamn. And then we just laughing. Everybody's cracking up laughing in the clubhouse. I was like, shit, I ain't talking to y'all no more. That's it. I ain't no more meeting. <laughs> oh, it was so funny, man. But that's The guy that, the guy that played you in Moneyball, uh, Stephen Bishop, uh-huh. did he ever meet yeah. with you? Hey, so it's crazy, but uh, I met Stephen Bishop, I want to say my rookie year in the big leagues, or maybe my second year. He was a college baseball player in uh, Northern California. He came to a San Francisco game. Booney, check this out. He worked his way over to where I was signing autographs. And he says to me, hey, man, people say I look like you. I'm in college. I play blase blase. And I'm listening to him. While I'm signing autographs, I give him my batting gloves, Booney. I said, okay, man, I, I can see light skin, you know what I mean, tall. I can see all that that he's talking about. So just to, just to you know, consummate the, the love, I give him my batting gloves. He gets drafted by the Atlanta Braves a year or two later. I'm in spring training in the cage, and here comes this dude. He goes, man, you remember me? I go, I couldn't remember. Then he, when he said something, I go, oh, yeah. I go, man, what's up, man? Like, like they drafted you, blah, blah, blah. I put my arm around him. I said, man, I'm, I'm going to take care of you because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a veteran now. And I, that's how I am with all the young guys, Booney. I try to take care of all of them. And so I introduce him to everybody. I tell him to take care of him. He's my little brother. Boom, boom, boom. You should hear his version. His version is way better than mine. But he, he doesn't make it to the big leagues, obviously. And he becomes an actor. So check this out. Booney, he's, he's my golfing buddy in, Cali- in, in, uh, in L.A. I belong really? in Calabasas. He, he's my golfing buddy. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Stan Barrett, you know Stan Barrett from ESPN? It's me, right. Stephen Bishop, Stan Barrett, and then we'll have a fourth. It'll be some, uh, somebody else uh, for a fourth. But that's, we're the three. But Stephen Bishop would become an actor, and this role came up. And he told them when he went in, he said, hey, this is my role because don't nobody know David Justice like I know David Justice. Because 
he was like my little brother with the Braves. Like, I, I took him under my wing. I spent time with him. Like, I knew him. Well, he gets the role, and there you go. And he's still acting right now. And I still talk to him, Booney. He's one of, the, he's one of my partners, Booney. Can you believe that? Isn't that, isn't that the craziest story? Very he was cool. In college when I first met him, right? Isn't that something? Yep, yep. So, You're tired. Right, so, so then we we go to we go to uh I go to Oakland. It was a fun year, man. Um, you know, I sat at the back of the plane. I always had my. I told him, fellas, the door is open now. If y'all want to come back here and have some conversation, because like I'm like everybody's big brother. So I'm, you know, I'm just that guy on our team. And then John Mabry, John Mabry, remember John? Mabry? John, Ma- yes, I do. John Mabry. Mabes came. Mabry came over to the team. Oh, Mabes is great, man. Golly, I wish I could have played with him more years of my career. Such a cool dude. Uh, but it was Mabry. So anyway, then we go to the playoffs. We got Minnesota in the first round. You know, Huddy does. Huddy doesn't pitch well. I think Vito might not pitch well. We just we just did not play well, Booney, and we lose in the first round. My last at bat in the big leagues is against. Remember, um, Eddie Eddie Godardo, Godardo Eddie Godardo, yep, lefty closer, yeah, yeah. Minnesota, yeah, the lefty. Yep, yep. My last at bat was against him. I hit a, I doubled in the right center field, and I remember I'm at second base. It's late in the game, and they're up. It might have been a ninth inning too. Might have been a bottom of the ninth. And I just remember thinking this might be my last. Last at bat of my career, because I was already setting myself up to retire after the season. You know, I told you, my youngest son was born in June that year, and I was already kind of like, you know, I'm ready to go to the house. And then we lose, and I have a chance to play for the next year, Seattle, actually, Booney. Seattle calls, because I think they had Randy Wynn and left field, and they, yep. but they didn't really want to pay me. They really didn't want to pay me a lot. And they, and, and they told my agent, we don't know, David might get 150 at bats or 450 at bats. That's what they said. And so I told my agent, I said, okay, well, I know, already know what that picture is going to be. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to beat out Randy Wynn because Randy Wynn is fast. And I'm just, and I, I like Randy, I don't really know him, but I'm just saying at that time I was thinking, only thing Randy Wynn can do more better than me is run. He can't outthrow me. He ain't going to outhit me. I'm going to drive in more runs. I'm going to hit more homers. So I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the guy with 450 at bats if I stay healthy. That's what I was telling myself. And but they didn't really want to, you know, pay me any money. And then the Red Sox wanted to pay me the most to come play. But Booney, I couldn't do it, man. I couldn't stand the Red Sox. I was a Yankee, you know what I mean? I'm a Yankee. I can't play for the Red Sox. And I know guys do that, but. I don't know, man. I'm cut different, man, when it comes to that kind of stuff. So I told the Red Sox, nope, I'm not playing for y'all. And I just went ahead and said, I'm going to retire. And then the day I retired, Booney, ESPN told me to wait on the line. And then they offered me the job to do uh, TV. I did TV for ESPN for two years. And then I went to go do TV for the Yankees for three years. And then I, then I just went home because I wanted to coach. And I went home and coached, um, started coaching. Like we coached, I started coaching basketball, football, baseball, and soccer. My kids, I just coached them all the way up till high school. And, and, that, and, and some of the greatest joys was those coaching, man. You saw what kind of squad we had when we came over there. Yeah. No, 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 that wasn't you, Booney. No, 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 Bo- no, Booney. Uh, uh, um, uh, um, Loretta. Mark, Mark, will tell you, Mark, Mark Loretta. Mark still, Mark, Mark is still mad at me because I, I just forgot what the score was. We was beating them like thirty-five to nothing, and I still had the foot on the pedal. <laughs> he goes, he, he yelled because the DJ like the score, and I was like, oh, oh, my bad, man, my bad, right? And so then I, I hand, so I hand the next one off to like my fourth running back, and he takes it to the house. To the house, and I'm like, Mark, I don't know what to do, man. I can't help it. I mean, I it's my fourth running back. I think Mark's still mad about that. But uh, and then that was it. And then now, man, you know, my wife and I, we will be 22 years together next February 8th. And uh, my oldest son is playing football at TCU. My youngest son is playing football at UCLA. 
and uh, our daughter is is in the acting world. You know, she's already been on TV acting, and you know that's what she wants to do. So, and that's my life right there, Booney. Very cool. And I didn't even get to the ninety-four. You're number seventeen on the fifty most beautiful people list. Oh, we can go back to that. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey Booney, Booney, one of the funniest lines. Yeah, so they put me in the 50 most beautiful, which, of course, you know the clubhouse just couldn't wait for, for that one. So they're interviewing the guys on the team because it comes out, right? Mark Lemke goes, he may be, he may be uh, in the top 50 most beautiful, but he's number 25 on this team. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what Lipke told the reporter. I was crying laughing. I said, boy, you stupid, boy. Yeah, Mark Lemke left my brother. I love that dude. Man, God. Tell me about, tell me about 2007. Um, you get a pretty cool uh, call. Braves Hall of Fame. I think Hank Aaron, and, and I wanted you to speak a little bit to Hank, one of my favorite guys. And, uh, you know, I didn't know him that well. I was only there for a year. But I really, I've always I've always admired Hank Aaron because I, I get pissed when people always say, you know, Hammer and Hank, and he was a home run hitter. And I used to tell him, listen, he, he hit a lot of home runs, but he he was a lot more than that. He was one, he's one of the greatest players of all time and and yeah. I just feel like he's pigeonholed too much into that home run guy. No, he he's not a home yeah. run guy. He was stealing bases. He, he was a hit, great hitter. He, 2000 yeah. he had over 2000 RBI uh RBIs. The home runs obviously. 300 career hitter. He had like 3900 hits or something stupid. Maybe 3600. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, you get that phone call to, to go in the Braves Hall of Fame. I know Hank, I think, was a part of your ceremony. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that and, and uh, give me a snapshot of, of your relationship with Hank over the years. So, Hank Aaron, I met Hank Aaron, Mr. Aaron. He's, he's never Hank Aaron. I, I met Mr. Aaron when I was 19 years old when I got drafted. And, Booney, I'll tell you this, man. The first time we sat in his office, it was just him and myself. I was on one side of the table, he was on the other side. And he was talking, and I wasn't even hearing him. I was just looking at him going, I cannot believe that I'm looking at Hank Aaron. Like, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't. Hank Aaron is right here in front of me. I did the same thing with Bill Russell. When I was talking to Bill Russell, I'm like, I cannot believe Bill Russell is giving me all of his time. All of it. That's what Hank Aaron was doing. And he was basically telling me the things that I should do to be successful. Hank Aaron was the one who told me. This is what Hank Aaron told me, Booney. He said, David. I don't want you out here lifting all those weights and getting all big. He said, get you a couple tennis balls and put them in the car. He said, as you driving around, I want you to squeeze these tennis balls. He said, baseball is hand strength and forearms. I want you to, I want you to squeeze the tennis balls. He said, you can do that little stomach stuff. And he said, you can do your legs. That's why I like doing my legs. He said, you can do your legs. He goes, I don't want you getting to be no big bodybuilder looking guy. Booney, I left out of that, that, uh, that office. And <laughs> I left out the office. I went straight to the mall and got me some tennis balls. And I used to have tennis balls in my cars. I would just ride around, you know, with hand grips. Then and then I got the hand grips. But I would have tennis balls. And every time I see a tennis ball every time, or a hand grip, when I even, even now, I, 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 just, I just saw some hand grips I have here at Booney. And, and every time I see that, I think of Hank Aaron strengthening my hands. I think about it. Hank Aaron, I, I have had so many conversations with Hank Aaron. Booney, that again, it's a blessing to have known him, to have had a personal relationship with him, and he just always was supportive. And I'll say the same thing also about Willie Stargell too, Booney. I don't know if you ever got a chance to meet Willie Stargell, but Willie Stargell is 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 as well as uh, Mr. Aaron. They the, you, when you get a chance to meet and talk to them, you just feel like you're amongst royalty, and that's really how I felt. Um, with both of them. And then <clears throat> I get the call 2007, Sureholtz, Sureholtz calls me. All right. And uh, he's the one who delivers it to me. Says, hey, David, you know, I can't remember exactly what he said, but, you know, we, you know, you're the first of your group that we want to put in the World Series. And I mean, I mean, put into the Hall of Fame, Braves Hall of Fame. 
And, you know, I'm looking at the Braves Hall of Fame. I'm like, man, that's Hank Aaron. That's Warren Spahn. That's, there's some heavyweights in, in, in the Braves Hall of Fame. And then also, I love the Braves. Like I told you, that was, all, that was the only organization that I ever wanted to play for. So my love runs deep for the Atlanta Braves, still to this day. So to be able to go into the Braves World, I mean, um, Braves Hall of Fame, it meant a lot to me. Um, <clears throat> because remember, Boone, that's what in the very beginning. I never dreamt of becoming a professional athlete. So you know I never dreamt of, play, of going into the Hall of Fame. Like, Hall of Fame, I never, even when I played Booney, I never thought about the Hall of Fame. Like, that just didn't, that don't matter to me. I'm, I'm, I'm playing today to try to win today. And tomorrow, I'll be out here tomorrow trying to win tomorrow's game. And at the end, I want to try to win a World Series. But Hall of Fame just never registered to me. So when the Braves called me with that special honor, man, it meant, it meant the world to me, bro. It really did. You know, and then to be able to take my kids there with me. And then my, my sons threw out the first, I threw out the first pitch on the field, but so did my son. They threw it out too. They both flanked me. They were on each side of me. And that was great because it was, it was TP, Smotsy, and I want to say Chipper. TP, Smotsy, and Chipper, we threw two. Oh. So we, I had Chipper, yep, it was Smotsy, and it was TP. And then my sons, I just as a father, man, just to see my sons get to get a chance to throw out the first pitch. And, you know, they both was ready to throw 95. They, they both, my, my oldest at the time, he could have been, well, well, I'll tell you, he was probably eight. He was eight, and my youngest one was six. And, and they, both, they both had cannons, Booney. So they, they couldn't wait to show off those guns on the field. Uh, but that was a great moment, man. And my... Uh, you know, my wife was there. Uh, some of my closest friends flew in to be a part of it. And then the, the Braves team that year, they were there. And then I think some of the guys, I think Gant was there, Ronnie Gant. Gant was actually there because I spoke, I spoke about Ronnie. Because that's the one thing, man. Ronnie, man, I love Ronnie. Ronnie's like my brother, man. We came, up, we came up through the trenches together. And that's one, that would be one thing where I could say if, if I could change the script, Ronnie Gant is on our World Series team uh, in 95 because Ronnie Gant was there, man, in the beginning, man. He was there during the building of the foundation. Uh, Ronnie, Ronnie was there, man. And then to us, for us to win it and there's no Ronnie Gant, I don't know, that, that, will always, that will always not feel good to me. Even though I know he was on the Reds trying to beat us. Man, when I look That's at right. Ronnie Gant, man, I just, we, we're just, my relationship runs way deeper with him. 112 postseason games you played in, 21 series, four different teams. What was something all those teams had in common? Um, great guy. One, one, one great guys. Uh, two, um, beyond the athleticism, we, we, had, we had winners. I mean, literally, we had guys that, that were trying to, trying to get it done. Um, I would say that I was I was blessed, honestly, to only play with one guy that I thought was a bad teammate, and he didn't last long. They got rid of him so fast. Uh, but outside of that one player, Booney, I mean, I played with so many just cool, great dudes, and 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 that's the one thing I would say was a commonality of of, of our teams was the guys, man. I, the clubhouse was just phenomenal of all, on all my teams. All three, all four teams I played with, it was a, always a joy to come to the stadium. It was always fun to see the guys. And I just saw you last night, and I'm back again to see you again today. And it was just, it was just fun. It was fun. I mean, Booney, when I retired, man, now I don't know how to find this out for sure, Porter tell me when I retired that I retired as the fifth winningest player at that time in history. Fifth winningest player percentage. Well, I was thinking about. I'm thinking about. You gotta. You gotta be right up there. The highest winning. Usually, you talk about managers. Usually, you talk about managers as the highest winning percentage. 
I'm thinking David Justice. That's why I told you when we started this off today, I, I thought, yeah. wow, I knew David was exciting, but I didn't know how, how unbelievable, you know, it makes you, once you start going back over, you're like, oh yeah, he was there and there and he won that and he did this and, you know, he won that ALCS yeah. MVP. Pretty, pretty yeah. special, pretty special career, pretty special life. Uh, David Justice, I appreciate you coming on the show. This is a lot of fun, and and uh, I think the audience is going to get a they're going to get a lot of stories that behind the scenes stuff that that not everybody gets to hear. So I appreciate you coming on. And what we do each and every Boone podcast at the end, we kick it back to the voice, Dan Levy. Dan, all right, Brett, that's going to do it for the Brett Boone podcast. My name is Dan Levy, the technical director and producer, and the voice. Of the Boom Podcast, EP Executive Producer, Rich Herrera. Digital content gets done by Liz Landry. Please share the Boom Podcast with neighbors and friends. Make sure you subscribe to the Boom Podcast so you never miss an episode of the show. And while you're at it, give it a five-star rating and share your feelings about the Boom Podcast by leaving a review on whatever platform you listen to the show. To follow Brett Boone on social media, he is at the Boone 29 You can follow me on Base On Air, B-A-S-S On Air. And for all of us here on the Boom Podcast, I'm Dan Levy. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Take care.